Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. First, a chunk of the trailer from Matt Walsh's new documentary entitled, What is a Woman? What is a woman? Can you tell me that? <laughs> well, you're at the Women's March. You must have some idea. Please, if one person could tell me what a woman is. We are not here for women. We ask you to leave. What is that? I'm a husband. I'm a father for, I host a talk show. I give speeches. I write books. I like to make sense of things. A woman is not anything in particular. There is not one particular thing. It could be many things to many people. Some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. I like scented candles, and I've watched Sex and the City. Yeah. How do I know if, if I'm a woman? That's a great question. You're not a scientist. You're not a gender studies major. No. How do you know that you're a man? I guess because I got a dick. Can a man become a woman? <laughs> I'm not a woman, so I I can't really answer that. Women only know what women are. Are you a uh, cat? No. Can you tell me what a cat is? Do you want to tell us what a woman is? 
I'm here live. I'm not a cat. Hey, no. uh, different, different video, Michael. Uh, and then it goes into much more serious ground um, in, in that he challenges very gently and in gentlemanly fashion uh, some of the uh, gender surgery, the sex change surgery industry people who get extremely hostile very, very quickly at, again, the most even-handed and gentlemanly questions about what they are espousing. It's really quite shocking. Uh, Matt Taibbi, of all people, who's a dyed-in-the-wool lefty on most things, but is a free speech guy and is not a radical progressive, uh, watched the movie, and he had some some bones to pick with it because he's uh, he disagrees with Matt Walsh on all sorts of stuff all the time. But he wrote a couple of things I found really, really interesting. Uh, he mentions in one scene, Walsh interviews a Tennessee-licensed marital and fer- family therapist named Gert Comfrey. Walsh reads from her website, You say, I use a combination of approaches in my therapeutic work, including anti-oppression, feminist, and narrative frameworks. I rely deeply on systems theory and the understanding that individuals are products of and in dialogue with our surroundings, including our families, broader culture, workplace, nature, and political climates. What uh, what does that mean? Comfrey, who's game and a good sport, tries to cha- translate. Yeah, so thinking about the modalities that I use, I'm definitely informed by, like, feminist family theory. And the idea is that we live in gendered worlds where there are certain imperatives that are placed upon us about who we are and what we do based on how we've been gendered. She goes on like this for two and a half agonizing minutes, during which time they, preferred pronoun they, them, theirs, I checked, say things like, we know now that some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. Walsh prods, etc. He asked that question about sex in the city. Um, and, uh, and, uh, he says, uh, am I a woman? Great question. Comfrey replies with a nod before dismounting to the surprise ending. I'm not a woman, so I can't really answer that. So Ms. Comfrey is herself, uh, 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 transgender or whatever. Uh, but he talks about how, um, the, the other guy said, I know I'm a man cause I got a D, you know, I got a penis. Um, that if the activists really want to, reach those people they need to be able to use fairly plain language to understand or to explain rather what they're talking about to reach that person to change that person's mind someone has to come up with a way to reach him in equally plain language but the most well-meaning intellectual in the movie ms confrey who we're just quoting by far the most sympathetic trans advocate walsh interviews has a website composed in an amazonian jungle thicket of anti-language that even i had a hard time penetrating and not only can't answer walsh's simple question but ultimately declines to do so on the grounds that even a person born female or assigned to female at birth if you like is not qualified to answer it oh so she isn't transgender she was she's always been a woman but uh, isn't comfortable saying what one is it's just extraordinary so speaking of the uh pronouns question the libs of tiktok rolls on even though the awful taylor lorenz of the washington post tried to ruin the woman's life who ran it i think others are probably taking it over and uh here is um somebody or other do we have the name well first let's explain what neo pronouns are in 72 what are your preferred pronouns? Uh, they, them. Oh, I've never heard those before. What are they? Uh, they're what's known as neo-pronouns. What are neo-pronouns? They're basically your own custom pronouns. When no other pronouns seem to fit, you come up with your own pronouns. Anything can really be a pronoun. Oh, how do I use them? Um, it depends on the person and their pronouns. 
Zazem follows a similar spelling to they and them, and even similar grammar rules like zer and zer. So zay, zem, zemself, zers, things like that. Oh, okay. And there are other new pronouns you said? Well, yeah, because they're customizable. Anything can be a pronoun, really. Oh, I didn't realize that you can customize your own pronouns. That's pretty cool. Thank you. Well, I think if you played that for all of America, I'm thinking like 80% of people would think that was a bit. Yes. Yeah, I think it's time to revive the useful and informative phrase, the narcissism of small distinctions, too, which is part of being young. Neo, boy, absolutely part of being young. Neo pronouns. It's it's the, 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 to get off on a tangent because that's what I do. The, the the we were talking a little bit ago about how you'd like to be able to recapture the whole, the way you look at time when you're younger. I would love that. Uh, the way my kids feel about the last day of school and the upcoming summer and everything like that. I'm I don't want to recapture the need in youth to like distinguish yourself from all of humanity. I I, mm. I don't want to recapture that at all <laughs> because it's just. It's just it's so draining and 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 pointless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you want to hit, figure out who you are, but the process we all go through is a little embarrassing in retrospect. Uh, oh, speaking of pronouns, well, uh, and, young and and the well, the thing I always say, I want to be I want to be like most people. Most people own a home. Most people are happily married. Most people have a job. Most people, you know, I want to. That's what I want to be. But when you're young, the last thing you want to be is most people. Right. Right, yeah, yeah, indeed. So, uh, young Jax, J-A-X, is going to further explain neo-pronouns for us. 73, Michael. Hi, I'm Jax, and I just came up with new neo-pronouns that combine he, him, she, her, and they, them, okay? So hear me out. They, them, theirs, okay? They, them, their, whatever you want to consider it, right? Let's take the first one, the, okay? This combines she, he, and they, right? They. That's what they said, you know? That's what they said. That's what they said. All right, go on, please. Next, we got them, right? Okay, so them, we got, that's just combining them and him. Them, you know? I went to a movie with him the other night. Okay. Why Why are we doing that, though? Uh, because it makes you feel cool and picky, and it's the narcissism of small distinctions. No, don't call me he. Call me them. 75. Last one, theirs. Okay? It's just like theirs, but like also like hers. Theirs. That jacket's theirs. Yes, this just sounds like they, them pronouns, but with the new ultra-scientific method, we have them so they've combined he and she as well. Everybody gets you with them theirs today, yeah? Hey. Hey. Get a job. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Find something to occupy your time that isn't adolescent ideological masturbation, please. Maybe go with the regular kind. Get a job. Oh, my God. You so badly need something to do. Them need to clean the bathroom. (laughs) Them needs to go work at the McDonald's. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. (sighs) I, I, I might have two kids spouting this stuff before I know it. I don't know. Oh, trust me, I think about that a bit as we're looking forward to visits. But anyway, (laughs) 
Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Um, let's see. Is we uh, let's see. Well, this is probably too. Uh, um, the narcissism of small differences, <clears throat> which apparently was a notion uh, co- uh, cooked up by the Germans. Is the thesis that communities with adjoining territories and close relationships are especially likely to engage in feuds and mutual ridicule because of hypersensitivity to details of differentiation? Mm. I'm not sure how that enters into narcissism precisely. I'm more interested in the psychological. Right. Uh, yeah. I don't remember where I heard, first heard that, but it is, uh, it is a really good way to understand a lot of things. Yeah, here is a psychology wiki. The narcissism of small differences is, and of course, this is one of those websites that so aggressively has pop-ups and videos and bullets, it is unusable. Give me a moment to get the reader view going. Three, two, one. Still not ready. There it is. <laughs> uh, the narcissism of small differences is a term coined by Sigmund Freud in 1917, based on earlier work by a British anthropologist you'd never heard of. Uh, Crawley, in language which differs only slightly from current terminology of psychoanalysis, declares that each individual is separated from others by a taboo of personal isolation. Uh, describes the phenomenon that is precisely communities. Oh, yeah, okay, it's back to the community. So if you have a lot in common with people, the more you have in common with people, the more aggressively you must point out tiny differences to the point of absurdity. Sure. To make yourself feel special. And we all go through it. I get it. But don't ask me to take it seriously, kid. I got a job to do. Oh, get a job. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Chewing in that stuff with depression. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, we uh, received this story from one of our alert listeners, and I apologize. I can't find the email uh, who sent it along, but um, they pointed out that uh, the Empire State Building was built, what was it, uh, in a year at the height of the Depression? And the Golden Gate Bridge was whipped up in in similar fashion, just uh, you know, amazing speed. Um, and maybe we were a little underregulated those days. But the emailer's point was: look at this story having to do with SpaceX in Texas, and uh, and and uh, tell me now why we can't get anything built successfully these days. The headline is: FAA requires SpaceX to make environmental adjustments to move forward with its Starship program in Texas. Okay, no big deal, right? Well. The FAA said it will require Elon Musk's SpaceX to make dozens of environmental adjustments in order to conduct further Starship flight tests and begin operational launches. Uh, SpaceX will be required to take more than 75 actions to mitigate environmental impacts before the company can receive a launch license for the site, the FAA said in a press release. The mitigations include protections for water resources, limits to noise levels, and biohazard materials controls. Well, that seems pretty reasonable. And again, you know, we probably underregulated that sort of thing back in the day and, you know, stamped out some species and that sort of thing. So, um, but uh, stay with got me. Got to the moon. Um, we did. We did indeed, Jack. We got to the moon. Among so the how about that lizard? <laughs> if you got to step on a few lizards to get to the moon, you step on them. Hmm? 
Among the requirements, SpaceX will coordinate with a qualified biologist on lighting inspections to minimize the impact on sea turtles. They will have to operate an employee shuttle between the city of Brownsville and the facility and perform quarterly cleanups of a local beach. Um, that sounds like you you got uh, caught drinking and driving, and you're like, you got to clean up the ditches now. <laughs> exactly now, because I got a rocket over there. I got to clean up that beach. Okay, but wait, there's more. The company will also contribute to local education and preservation efforts, including preparing a historical context report of the events of the Mexican War what? and the Civil War no. that took place in the area. What? Yes, SpaceX to launch their rocket, they have to present uh, a historical context or? reports of the <laughs> events of the Mexican War and the Civil War. That now that is crazy. I'm not done yet. <laughs> what? This can't be real. This as can't well as be re- real. This is from Joe's uh, CNBC. Bringing his, Joe's bringing his fiction. <laughs> Fake news. Uh, let's see, where was I? Okay, so they got to do book reports on the Mexican War and the Civil War, I guess. <laughs> if you want to get to Mars, you got to do a book report on the Mexican War. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell? As well as replacing ornaments on a local historical marker. The company will also make annual contributions of $5,000 each to organizations that protect ocelots and endangered birds of prey, as well as a state recreational fishing uh, program. Uh, they also issued the FAA also issued new rules for closing the public highway, et cetera, et cetera, uh, such as requiring the road be open on 18 specified holidays and most weekends. Ah, uh, again, why can't we build anything anymore in this country? That is unbelievable. You know what it seems it feels like to me is, oh, you want to blast off rockets, huh? You got a big company, do you? You're making your fancy electric cars. All right. Well, you want to blast off your rockets? We got a list of requests for you. And you look at the list and think, oh, a lot of this stuff has nothing to do with blasting off rockets. Do you want your permit or not? So it's just extortion. That is unbelievable. I was wondering, I wish wish there was some sort of AI simulation you could run with all the uh, details from the time and now, like, could the Wright brothers have done what they did now? Or would it have been possible to get the permit to test your thing on the beach there in North Carolina? Or could we have ever gotten to the moon? Would we ever be able to get the space program going? Or you just would not have been able to get through the hiring process for the astronauts or, or whatever and do it now? Well, if the Wright brothers uh, tried to do what they did now, I think they would look up in the sky and see giant airliners flying by <laughs> and think, why am I wasting my time? But it's a thought experiment. Hey, uh, I understand what you're driving. Hey, hey, Orville, I got something to tell you. <laughs> you hear that whooshing sound? Look over there. <laughs> but no, that's I, not I, the that's point. A- I think, I wonder if that's been done. And I'll bet you're right. I'll bet you would figure out over and over again that, yes, you could have done it, but it would be quadruple the the expense and take five times as long. Mm -hmm. Or you just couldn't do it at all. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. That is just nutty. That is just nutty. So Elon Musk is sitting there uh, late at night with his pen in his hand writing... Fort Sumter, South Carolina, was a union <laughs> fort. What the hell? <laughs> so, 
doing his book report to satisfy the FAA. <laughs> so he can launch a rocket and maybe get mankind to Mars. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. So that's Chuck Schumer, Democrat leader of the U.S. Senate. What role did that play in a clearly unhinged person wanting to go kill a Supreme Court justice? It's particularly odd to hear that today when the January 6th hearings are going to begin. And I guarantee you they're going to play clips of Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani and others with language not even as strong as that being blamed for the January 6th riot. Uh 
Either you believe that sort of rhetoric can lead to violence or you don't, but you can't pick one and leave out the other, I'll tell you that. So what happened yesterday? We'll run through that some of that from the, uh, the reporting in the Dispatch today, which is uh, one of my favorite news outlets. They arrested a California man near Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's house yesterday morning at about 2 o'clock in the morning. The man was armed with all kinds of stuff we'll get into in a little bit, but he told police he was angry with the court's reported plan to overturn Roe versus Wade. That's what he was mad about. In a sworn affidavit, FBI agents who interviewed this guy, Roski, who they arrested, described an unnerving scene. Shortly after 1 a.m., U.S. deputy marshals who were on duty securing Kavanaugh's home saw a taxi pull up in front of the house, from which emerged a man dressed in black with a backpack and a suitcase. He made eye contact with the marshals standing in the street, then turned and walked down the street away from Kavanaugh's house. Shortly thereafter, according to the affidavit, local emergency services fielded a 911 call from Roski, who told them he was having suicidal thoughts and was carrying a gun. Local police were dispatched and arrested him without incident, and upon searching him found a black tactical chest rig, a tactical knife, a Glock 17 pistol, two magazines and ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, screwdriver, nail punch, crowbar, pistol light, duct tape, hiking boots with padding on the outside of the soles and other items. Roski stated that he had began thinking about how to give his life purpose. That's the scariest part of any of this stuff around school shooters or mass shooters or political shooters or any of these people is that you reach somebody who's in a desperate point in their life and they want to give their life purpose. And people screaming on the radio or cable news or on the steps of the Capitol like Chuck Schumer did uh, make it sound like this is their moment. Anyway, Roski stated that he began thinking about how to give his life purpose and decided that he would kill the Supreme Court justice after finding the justice's Montgomery County address on the Internet. Roski further indicated that he had purchased the Glock pistol and other items for the purpose of breaking into the justice's residence and killing the justice as well as himself. He bought the gun specifically to kill a Supreme Court justice. I don't know what sort of however many day wait or background check or anything like that might have had an effect on that. I suppose we'll learn that in coming days. If this testimony proves true, America came dizzyingly close two nights ago to its most consequential political assassination since 1968's assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., This guy took preconsidered step after preconsidered step toward carrying out his murderous plot. He got cold feet when he saw the federal marshals. Remember, he looked them in the eye and then started walking Mm -hmm. down the street. Well, the marshals have only been there a couple of weeks. After the leak of the Supreme Court draft decision that got everybody fired up that indicated they might overturn Roe versus Wade, they and, you know, and people got all worked up. And then so they put. Uh, marshals in front of the justices' home, and, and after groups published their addresses online. Yeah, I was going to say, let me jump in here and point out a couple of things. Number one, you had this Ruth Sentus group publishing the justices' addresses, which is horrific and and unprecedented, and then r- holding angry rallies outside of several of the justices' homes, which is expressly against federal law. You cannot 
protest outside the home or office with the intent of changing their decision, which was exactly what was going on. But the Biden Justice Administration decided, if I'm going to be charitable, I would describe it as this. They decided, well, there's a lot of angry people. Let's just let them march and yell a little bit, because if we try to stop them, things have turned really ugly. So let's not. But they normalized approaching Supreme Court justices' homes in a spirit of anger and protest. And this guy, who is just a little less hinged than others, perhaps, decided he would go ahead and kill Brett Kavanaugh. Even in the wake of the attempted assassination, some pro-abortion groups met the news with a shrug. Ruth Sentis, as Joe just mentioned, the group that has organized the protests outside the conservative justices' homes, responded to the news of the attempt with a meme reading, Oh, I'm sorry, did you want some privacy? Does Kavanaugh hold any responsibility for the people's rage against him, they pondered? Obviously, if you're going to blame a justice's decision for murderous rage, we uh, we get into some really weird territory really fast. Well, and let me uh, rewrite that sentence. If you are going to excuse murderous rage because of a justice's decision, well, then you've excused murder. Good point. No Supreme Court justice has ever been assassinated in America, the dispatch says, perhaps because, until recently, it wasn't considered a particularly political office. A lot of that has to do with the fact that Congress used to do its job and handle the politics so the Supreme Court didn't have to. Plainly, this is no longer the case. Assassinate a president, has, as has been done four times in U.S. history, and all you do is switch them out for their own vice president. What did you accomplish? But... If, you, if the president and the Senate are controlled by the opposite party, you assassinate a justice of the side you don't want, they're going to get replaced by somebody you do want. You right. actually would have an effect on the makeup of the top of one of the branches of government. As you and I were discussing yesterday, who is covering and not covering the story yesterday, and it became clear that, for instance, the USA Today is actively minimizing it. Uh, as are some others. Um, all I can, uh, all I can conclude is that they are soft on this. They don't want to make it a big deal. They're actually kind of comfortable with the idea. Maybe I can't imagine what the other explanation is because, again, as if roles were reversed, it would be just everywhere. The USA Today would have one story. On all of its pages, including the worthless purple uh, entertainment section, it would all be about the right-wing lunatic who wanted to kill Ruth Bader Ginsburg, for instance. Sure. Um, Tim Sandifer retweeted this thought. Remember when Sarah Palin was blamed for Gabby Gifford's shooting? When she published an ad the shooter never saw, it turned out, it was uh, districts were going to target. And do you remember when the media extrapolated that into... Oh, you're targeting districts? Target? Sounds like shooting? And blamed Sarah Palin for that crazily. Isn't Senator Schumer responsible for the attempt on Justice Kavanaugh's life after standing in front of the Supreme Court on the steps shouting, Brett and Gorsuch will pay the price if abortion rights are changed? I mean, oh my God. You won't know what hit you. It'll be a bullet. It's amazing how little attention this has gotten. Uh, I've got a good example of it right here. Um, hold on just a second. 
They uh, they have the front pages of the Washington Post and the New York Times and, and all the stories that apparently rank above the attempted assassination of a Supreme Court justice, including a ferry accident in South Korea or a giant snake discovered in the Amazon or a number of other stories that apparently rank above catching a guy whose explicit purpose in showing up there with a gun, as he has stated, was to kill a Supreme Court justice. It's absolutely wow. amazing. Wow. Well, where this leads is pretty obvious. It leads to it actually happening. Uh, we have normalized every step up until the guy who breaks the window and gets in. Now, I suspect that the security is going to be enhanced uh, significantly, although the Senate nearly unanimously, I mean, a huge majority of senators acted, uh, voted to immediately increase the security for Supreme Court justices. I mean, to the point that they will be safe. The House is refusing to vote on it. They won't even vote on it because the Democrats have said, no, well, we need enhanced security for uh, the clerks, too, and the employees and the stenographers and the janitors and everything else. And so, no, unless the Republicans will go along with that, we're not going to vote to defend the lives of the Supreme Court justices. I mean, I don't want Sonia Sotomayor uh, hurt or assassinated. The idea of Elena Kagan being hurt or killed horrifies me. It sickens me. Where is the other side? Good Lord. I think it was, uh, this is the very, uh, the very anniversary of the day in 1953 when uh, Joseph Welch said to Senator Joseph McCarthy, have you no sense of decency? At long last, have you left no sense of decency? I think that quote can be used in this discussion. So the FBI raided this Nicholas Roski's home in Simi Valley, California today. He's 26 years old. He's being charged with attempted murder or kidnapping of a Supreme Court justice. I don't know if that's its own kind of federal crime or what that is, but God, you would think a guy being arrested for attempted murder of a, a sitting SCOTUS would be would be a big news story. Yeah, I'm how do we how do we get here? And by the way, th- those of you, if some of you would react to the news of catching a guy with a gun out of Ruth Bader Ginsburg outside of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's house back in the day with glee or a shrug, well then you're part of the problem too. We can't we can't have this. We can't go down this road. Do you realize that? Or it all comes apart. You know, I just wonder if some people are so freaking stupid they have to have blood running in the streets before they say, yeah, I guess that is enough. It'll be like 1968. Oof, lovely. Oof is right. Yeah, I'm scanning through the New York Times, and uh, it's buried, absolutely buried. Uh, The Washington Post is running it more prominently because it's a local crime story, I guess. Uh, the Supreme Court justices, love them or hate them, are part of the, the giant high school that is Washington, D.C. But, yeah, man, I'm scanning and scanning and scanning. It's just not there at all. Wow. Thwarted plots always get less attention. We've talked about that many times over the years. If you, if you catch a kid with a gun before he goes into the school, you, you barely hear about it, even though you're just that close to a story just like Uvalde. It's just a matter of luck a lot of times that it didn't happen. But, you know, I understand how the the dog that didn't bark is not that interesting. Yeah, I suppose so. Although, you know, it's interesting. The uh, and God, I'm scanning down. I'm like to the, the food section now. Oh, here's a feature on tuna salad sandwiches. 
That rate's more important than the attempted assassination of a Supreme Court justice. I don't agree with their priorities, but I am interested in a story about tuna salad sandwiches. Well, this one appears to have potato chips on it. Ooh, I like putting potato chips on lots of things. My son's big on a peanut butter and potato chip sandwich. I used to like it with my sloppy joes. Man, you put a potato chips on top of sloppy joe, oh, that's good stuff. You know, I used to uh, look down on that a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Although... (laughs) As you're drinking your it. Chardonnay? As I, uh, I like to put potato chips in Chardonnay, too. Man, that's good. It's not always Chardonnay. I drink other wines while I look down on people. Um, but, <laughs> but come to think of it, it's, it's texture. It's a little saltiness. It's uh, the potato, which uh, who can argue with the potato? Certainly an Irishman like me should not. Uh, so, you know, I may need to reexamine my beliefs on that topic. Well, there's our quote of the day. Who can argue with the potato? <laughs> um, we're getting back to the original topic, though. I think this is a test. This is a moment for America, for the media, for both sides of the aisle. Either well, we failed it. Yeah, you're right. Well, why am I? Why am I explaining the either or? It's already been decided. We are soft on the assassination of conservatives. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And by the way, my sympathies to your the family of your F, uh, uh, your, your CFO who uh, un- dropped dead very unexpectedly. My best to their family. <laughs> Tough stuff. Wow. That, that is such an odd thing to say. And by the way, you know, you're trying to be nice. You you because you you show up at an event and you heard the 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 CFO had had passed. So right. I just like to say unexpectedly, my, my <laughs> condolences to your CEO who dropped dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, he stumbles and fumbles and bumbles and then says that it's like, but who uses the term dropped dead when you're trying to do the compassionate thing about? Yes, Michael. No, once you say passed away. Or... Well, right. Exactly. All right. He passed away unexpectedly. Go ahead. Play it again. <laughs> and by the way, my sympathies to your the family of your. F, uh, uh, your, your CFO, who uh, un- dropped dead very unexpectedly. My best to their family. As opposed, as opposed to your uh, your uh, chief of accounting, who dropped dead expectedly. <laughs> well, I just think the dropped dead who says that and trying to be compassionate. I'm sorry to hear that your wife croaked. <laughs> Killed no over. No Saw that you're sorry that your dad is pushing up daisies now. That's really rough. I mean, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> heard your mom. Uh, oh, by the way, I heard your mom's taking the dirt nap. I mean, come on. <laughs> that's oh, not the way you talk you about these stop. things. Stop. You're killing me with this. It's not the way you talk about these things. Dropped dead. What? Your FC, yes, your FC of your, he dropped dead. <laughs> wow. So do you remember, geez, it was 2018. Remember when a couple of guys, they got, they were going to kick him out of a Starbucks there in Philadelphia because they were wanting to use the bathroom without buying anything. And then the people claimed that you're kicking us out because we're black. And they said, no, it's because you didn't purchase anything. And it became a thing. And so Schultz, the guy who ran, who was the CEO of Starbucks at the time, decided to open the bathrooms up to everybody, making the statement, because we don't want anyone at Starbucks to feel as, as if they, as if we are not giving you access to the bathroom because you are less than. We want you to be more than. You don't have to be a customer just to use our bathroom, our patios, or our inside dining area. What was the reaction you're, of most you're normal more people? more than a dope. What was the reaction of most normal people? So you don't have to be a customer to sit in there at a table or sit at the patio and use up the space or hang out in the bathroom and wash your junk, which is what homeless people do in there. And so it's ruined bathrooms for Starbucks. And a lot of the Starbucks regularly have the bathrooms closed for cleaning, which means they just don't want to deal with the homeless people coming in there. So they just leave them closed, which means if you're a regular customer, you can't use the bathroom. And the reason this bothers me is not just because, you know, getting coffee at Starbucks. This has happened with so many different businesses. If you have kids, you know this. Going to the bathroom when you're out and about is almost impossible now. It's just almost impossible. Practically nowhere has a public restroom available for you anymore. Because they 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 get accused of some sort of bigotry or something like that if they if they restrict it to customers. 
And if you open it wide open, it becomes just disgusting and unusable. So they just leave them closed or claim they don't have one. Well, Schultz, the guy at uh, the CEO, Howard Schultz, has said, I don't think we can keep our bathrooms open. They're going to go back on their policy, and from now on, it's going to be for customers only. And, and Previously, it was you didn't have to make a purchase to hang out at Starbucks. Now, it's any customer is welcome to use Starbucks uh, if you purchase something. It's an issue of safety because of our growing mental health problem. Well, you can call it a growing mental health problem or a growing drug problem or a growing whatever you want to call it problem, but it doesn't work. And uh, so that's the end of that. And I hope that's good news for people who want to use clean bathrooms when they're out and about. You know, I've volunteered myself many times. Uh, Nobody's taken me up for it. I would be happy to be your corporate director of common sense. Because both of us, honestly, Jack, you can have half the job. Well, well, uh, what do you call a job share? Um, It was obvious to the point of absurdity when Schultz made that announcement, how it would end. In fact, we <laughs> right. talked about it like that day. Sure, of course. We knew how, we knew how it was going to end. That was four years ago. It's been this way like since week one. It just took four years for them to, uh, to recognize it. And maybe he knew that. He knew, all right, we got to uh, strike a PR counter blow. This is going to ruin the bathrooms for, and for our uh, customers. But, and we'll have to shut all our bathrooms, but it'll get the uh, news media off our backs. So, uh, yeah, I don't, maybe he's that cynical and smart, I guess, but it was so predictable. Or he believed he could just let randos hang out in his store whether they bought anything or not, and it would be fine. Armstrong. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.